0: Yes, hello folks. Welcome to another episode of TWI Boxing Show. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brown. As we go through this fantastic array of Belfast fighters, I must say I'm delighted to be joined here with the brilliant Tommy McCarthy, who had such a fantastic year last year, unfortunately. This coronavirus has put the brakes on his career, but after a terrific win against Fabio Tucci, I'm delighted to have him on the show here. Tommy, how you doing, man?
1: I'm all good. How are you doing?
0: Doing all right, Paul. Last time I saw you was after Mickey Collins' fight in New York. We briefly met in the yeah. uh, in the bar. <laughs> was, there, was there with Dermot. um First of all, let me ask you: how Have you been the last few months? Yeah, um,
1: you know, I haven't. I haven't been too wild. Uh, let's see. We've had great weather ever since the lockdown came in. The in the play, the weather's just come out. So I think that's. Kept spirits up really right across the, the whole city, across the whole country. Uh. and I've had a we've had a great time like sitting at the back with my wife and kids in it, so it hasn't been too it hasn't been too stressful. There's been um it's been positive enough considering the circumstances.
0: How is it the fact that you're training?
1: Yeah, as um, regards the training, it's been elementary would be the word to use. Gyms closed. Social distancing, so you can't get in to get the the um, one-to-one work in the spa and all the stuff that you need. So I've been trying to not been trying. All I've been doing is doing home workouts,
0: uh-huh.
1: interactive workouts with my coach, and uh doing loads of road work. So that, that's as best as you can do, really. Yes. In the circumstances, but it's not enough.
0: On the positive side, you're just getting to stay home with your wife and kids, as you said, which obviously is one of the hardest parts but being a fighter, is being away from your family. Have you enjoyed being home with your wife and kids?
1: It's been great. Um Yeah, like it hasn't been hasn't been any negatives. A lot a lot of people have seen all the memes and stuff on social media. Like by the end of lockdown, everyone's gonna be divorced all that crap. Yeah.
0: But
1: we've had great crack. We the back gardens turned into a park with trampolines, swings, mm-hmm. sled, and we, uh, like a wee paddle pool and stuff. So
0: we had a great time. Same as me, man. I have more kids than Bernardo's in the house, like, but good crack. And I've been able to spend a wee bit of time. With before we go into that box, let me talk about your life. Um, obviously born in Belfast, raised in Belfast, Lanatown I believe. Um, what was your life growing up as a kid, like in Lanatown? I had great.
1: Great memories, um, great fabulous childhood. As I say, um, I hate the middle, but I have to keep it real. It's born in London.
0: Oh, you're born in London. Sorry, man, I got that wrong.
1: All oh, right, no, uh, born in London, and then like my dad and all my family's from So My daddy was in in London working, and he, he met my man. and then my mother actually she passed away, and then I came home here to live with my grandparents in London, but uh. Alright, uh, great great childhood. Um no complaints and just uh, learning then do sometimes like it has a bad reputation for being, you know, like a rough place and you know, all, all the negative stuff about it, but I've nothing but good good times, from it.
0: You said that mom died though, it's uh my deepest condolences. Uh what age you you when your mom died?
1: Seven. Jesus uh, just just before it was turning in, so oh my god, the way what happened was my father went to London, to, we went to England to work, and then my mother, my grandparents were part of the, the Windrush generation, so yes. they were in in um London, we met each other, and then once that, once my mother fell pregnant, and then I was born, I was whipped home straight away six weeks old they get christened up in Albert Cronkett in, in the State so my whole life up until that, that point I was being brought up back and forward because my, my parents broke up in when I was young so they were like co-parenting between London and Belfast so I grew up in Belfast like in the the tail end of the Troubles and then yes. and it came full time once my, once my mother passed away I was in Belfast full time
0: this is gonna sound like a really stupid question. And I apologize for asking it, but how has that affected you losing your mother at such a young age?
1: I think it's made me more hardened on the inside. I don't mean hard like a hard mom, like but it's just not uh not too emotional and like I that way it just make me not very emotional and um able to cope with with loss and, and disappointments a lot more easier. Like they don't I think maybe that's why I grew up to be such like a like an easy going person because I uh like nothing really fazes me too much. I think that with, the deal was such a, a loss at a young age. It was like, you know what nothing is worse than this. So it's like I guess what happened.
0: Uh, apologies, Tommy because it's a bit emotional for me because I have a, a child myself who lost his mother at a young age <coughs> Sorry. and obviously he's 13 now so he has to deal with the loss of his mother and I'm curious because he has emotional issues attached to this um, and obviously like you said dealing with loss and I'm concerned about what it's going to do to him as he grows older to not have his biological mother available. So um, you have my deepest condolences with that. And it's oh, very, very personal for me too. Very, very lost too. Yes, sorry, mate. Um, yes, it was... So um, I I
1: really, I had a good... Um, I'm an only child. I have no brothers or sisters. So I have um, loads and loads of cousins. So I had a good... And then my grandparents, my Irish grandparents, took me in and raised me. So, I, and I had great friends from when I was young, from my whole life always, as far back as I can remember, great friends in the Land area and really close to all my cousins, because as I say, being an only child, mm-hmm. charity, parents, friends, around all the families. And um, so I had a great support system and my Jamaican grandparents and I'd say their family are like hardcore Christians. Mm-hmm. my grandpa, he's a, a pastor in the church and you know yes. like real real religious people so it was all like a real pure upbringing like i was i was never really exposed to any badness or anything so
0: mm-hmm.
1: um when when children do lose a parent at a young age they can go two two ways and yes. most of people go wayward but because i was not really exposed to any badness as a youngster it just like i didn't get into any trouble and then I was speaking about this the other day, I went through my life always trying not to let my mother down, like not to let her name down or or let myself down. So that's why I've always always stayed out of trouble right through my whole young childhood, teenager's role, like still
0: now. What's interesting about that, and you say to him it's quite interesting about you feel like you have a sense of obligation to your mom's legacy to be a certain way, to stay out of trouble. Um, do you, if you look at a lot of fighters, you look at, like the so Johnny Tapp and everything, a lot of their careers were built on pain, on emotional pain. Do you feel like the loss of your mum and the sense of um, obligation you have to her legacy is part of the reason why you're a fighter?
1: Um, I, don't, I don't think it's why. Um, I think the, the way I've lived my life was out of obligation to, to my mother. Um, my mom was a singer, and so from a young age, I, I was always like geared toward the music side of life. All my family's all music mm. people, so I was I was playing guitar. And then when I, after my mom passed, I was playing guitar, and it was all everything was going the music world. So I just kind of fell into boxing, not by chance. I wanted the box. But I'm not from a boxing family, so my my boxing journey is more, like, for me, like, it had nothing to do with anybody else. It was something that I wanted to do and the goals that I set for myself.
0: I ask a lot of fighters this time because, to me, this is a question that is very difficult to answer. When you look at lots of other people, they pick careers that don't involve personal pain, they don't involve physical pain, most kids do anything to avoid physical pain, but then there's a certain small percentage of the population that don't, they pick a career that and I, that involves personal pain. And I often wonder what make, makes a man fight. And it's not the money, it's not the crowd, it's not the fame, none of that, because all that comes after. I'm talking about what puts a kid through the ropes at a young age and says, I'm I'm okay with physical pain. I re- respond to it a certain way. Uh, why did you want to be a fighter?
1: Just pure ambition. Just for some reason, I wanted to be a world champion. World champion boxer. And that ambition, just, still this day, I've just been a driving force. And um, yeah. they, as you say, it is m- most kids, most people, they want to stay away from pain, And you're going right into the Ballet of the Beast in, in the fake game. So it is. Um, you have to be weird, kind of different, but it's just, just pure ambition is just what what drove me. Like from the first day I ever went in the boxing club, I was like, "I'm to be a world champion." In my mind, yeah. and actually out loud, ten people want to be a world yeah. champion. And that's just what. Because when it does get hard, when you first go to a boxing gym, sure you know, like you you don't get punched the first day right. or even the first week, even the first few weeks. But it's when when you do get punched, it's how bad do you want it? Like, yes. Do you still want to be a champion when you know this is how hard you get hit?
0: I remember the first time, I mean, I never boxed at any particular level, but I remember the first time when I was sparring. And I got hurt in the spar and I remember a, sort of a, a, a question I asked myself was, "This, this do you want to run or do you, want to, do you want to fight back? And I had a bad temper, so it angered me, and I wanted to fight back. But um, I think there's just a small percentage of people that want to stay in there and, and take physical pain. You, you, had a, you had an amazing win last year. You go to Italy. You beat Fabio Thirteen in his own backyard. Talk to me about that fight. What was going through your mind before that fight? And were you, were you confident?
1: Yeah, I was uh, supremely confident before that because when I first turned pro, I always keep an eye on what's going on in the division, even before I was even, sure. like, full for championships. So after a couple of years, I seen Fabio come on and seen and then he, he was the WBO – no, sorry, WBC International Silver Champion. I was like, right, that could be a fate for me. And then – so I was just keeping an eye on, on what was happening to him the last couple of years. And when I got the opportunity to fight him, Cause they they offered it to me at late notice, but I'd mm. already been I'd already been in a in a, a sparring camp in in Denmark, so I knew I was in shape, and I'd I'd seen a good lot of Fabio before, so I was like definitely, definitely take it. My manager was saying, look, now nah, I reckon you're definitely, like, do you definitely like you definitely you're gonna win. I think you will. I wouldn't take it if if I if I didn't think you would. I think you will beat him. But do you think I'll beat him? I was like a hundred percent best of everyone, so. Before, I knew, I was coming off a loss. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, a loss earlier in that year. I had a yeah. wee stupid win back. But a major loss on scared to Richard Ragpour in a title. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I knew that Fabio and his team were looking at me as a stabbing stone. So I kind of took it as almost like a slip. And I was going, mm-hmm. these guys, overlooking me. They're trying to use me to build up themselves. Like, what's, what's going to happen? So I was just... I was so confident and I just I knew it was the last chance to learn, but I was like this is the perfect fight for me to get back on back in the mix
0: What was it like when your name was announced um, you got the split decision when was it like whenever you, your hand was raised at the end of that fight?
1: It was just pure just <laughs> like I think relief is the the word because mm-hmm. I felt a the fight hands down and um at the end of the fight then the first the first judge said call give it to me and then the next judge like, I thought it was like there was no no like problem with it with mm-hmm. the Then it gave it to him and then you know, Italy is notorious for home decisions. they mm-hmm. Like oh Jesus, I'm the nearly man again. And so when they called at me, I was like just just felt great. I was like, finally, thank God it was just just yeah, relief is the word is I don't even know if that's you know, I was just brilliant. It was just like just the weight of the world has been lifted off my shoulder and everything that I believed about myself had been rubber stamped.
0: In the lead you talked about your defeat, the Richard React of course. Um and a lot of boxing of course is man, it's very difficult to lift yourself up from a defeat. I've talked to a lot of after that. Um what did you do different in the lead up to that fight with uh, Turchi that was different to your previous fights?
1: Well, for the the react after the React core fight or b- before the Turchi fight, I uh, changed my whole thing. Mm-hmm. Changed my trainer, changed my training base. Just everything just changed. Um, I brought in a uh Mantle stripe coach. Mm-hmm. Done. I just didn't I left no stone unturned on, on because the react poor fit, I got that at two weeks' notice. Yes, but in my, I believe that I was that much better around him. So I was like, "Listen, no problem. I want to get that." Like I went in, just oh, like overlooking him, and it didn't work out that way. So I, I knew that things had to change. I can't go in like willy nilly. So it were. So everything just done a complete one eighty for for the thirty Because I didn't wanna leave. I didn't want to have any excuses the way sure. I get paid. Like I had my excuse not the excuse, but I could say I knew I knew I hadn't trained properly for the Iraq forfeit. and I knew I wasn't in the right wasn't in the right place to take effort. So for the thirty one I was like I'm not like if I get beat, I get beat because I'm not good enough.
0: Right. You brought in Pete Taylor. Um, how important was he to developing? Because teaching some of your boxing, uh, just some of your boxing uh, techniques, some of the things you were doing in the ring, was he a big, big part of that? Massive.
1: Because I don't know if what boxers tend to, but I know, like, from speaking to my own friends in boxing, a lot of them they don't really rely too much on the corner during a the fight. Mm. They're kind of just in oral drive. Everything's been done in the gym, so. They can't even remember what the coach is saying. they not even really listening. Whereas I'm different. I'm like fully locked in and I'm looking for guidance in the corner. So when I first got with Pete, I said to him, Pete, I rely heavily on the corner. So I need you to, whatever you can see, whatever you want me to do, I need you to shout it. I'm going to do it. Anything you say I'm going to do. So Pete was just huge in it. And the, I had worked with Pete as a kid when, when we were in the high performance and as an amateur, like as a young adult. So I knew he was like top of the pops. So I just put all my trust in him, just all my faith. And, you know, it, it paid dividends.
0: Boxing's a really cruel sport. Um, not like MMA where if you lose a fight, it's not the end of your career. You don't get cast aside. You don't get, uh, you don't get written off. Boxing is a terrible habit of treating fighters that lose a fight. You also lost to Mariaskin. How difficult was it for you after those defeats, Tommy? Because boxing did sort of cast you say proud of Mariaskin. You were one of the best young prospects. Then all of a sudden, you—I've I've read reading a few interviews and you're talking about you became a sparring partner. You became the guy that was a stepping stone. How difficult was it for you mentally to adjust to being disregarded by boxing? To be honest with you,
1: it didn't. It didn't really annoy me too much I mentally because I just always had this insane belief in myself and I still do so I just knew things were gonna work out. But in other aspects, you know, like Fan Nazi if you're not fighting, I and you know my performance I was going still, like you can do as much sparring as you want, but you need to get the you need to get the ring team, the fight action. So all those things were frustrating but you're right. Boxing—it's—it's it's of shit. The way to do it, you shouldn't. One loss shouldn't shouldn't defend you. And my loss to Matty Askins, I don't. I never, never box again for a year. Like it was just through no fault of my own. And it was just—it really took a lot of mental strength just to keep on going to the gym, keep training. And then I actually slipped into the sparring partner role by accident. I, I was getting call ups to go spawn with big guys, big names, world champions. I was going, yeah, I mean, as well, a great experience and you get a few balls for it and all and then it's, it's such a it's such an easy way. It's such an easy life that sparring mm-hmm. partner. so I just got used to the comfort of it. Like Do you want to go and spar here a couple of weeks, a few quid, everything lay alone and it's like yeah, I actually started to enjoy it. That was the that was the bad So when it came back the fighting I actually, as mad as it sounds, like I actually forgot how to be competitive. Mm. But when you're sparring, when you're sparring, especially with the champs, like, you just do whatever they're doing. If they up it, you up it. If they're taking it easy, you take it easy. You just go by whatever whatever they're going by. Right. Because you're trying to get the rounds in and get the working. So when I came back, and once I seen my mark Dunlap lap, and he was getting me fits, once I, like my first fight back, the guy had zero he'd five fights, zero wins. and I was going, I should stop. This. Like, I should have him out of here by now. Mm-hmm. Next thing I was in round six and he was still learning. I was going, what's wrong with me? I mm-hmm. couldn't go through the years because it just was mm-hmm. in the habit of not doing it. So it took me a couple of fights to, to get out of there. It. it actually took Richard Report beat me to get out of that habit, to be like get the fire back, to know how to fight right. again.
0: I've had fighters on the show. Something they always say to me is, after the first defeat, they find out who their friends are. The phone stops ringing. All the people that want to be around you when they're wanting disappear. Was it a lonely place after you lost? the am asking, was that the phone stopped ringing? Did you find out who your friends were after that? Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, my friends, my friends were my friends when we were kids. Like, so, mm-hmm. they were, they're they not, they're, there's no fake friends. So the people who I knew was going to be here for me, were here for me. But changing rooms, a lot different, a lot quieter. Um, It's just, uh, it's just nobody, you don't want to experience it. It's the worst experience. It's it's worse than, it's worse than, I don't know, it's like, it's like somebody down. It's like a wick. You do not want to experience it. And, um, your phone isn't going as much. Like when you win, anytime I've won, even if we stupefied, you come back to the change room, you have hundreds of messages, hundreds of WhatsApp, yep. Twitter, all that crap. You come back and you've you probably got 10 messages, and his family and close friends. So you do, it, it is an eye opener. You realize how, how fickle, but listen, that comes with a game. Everybody loves a And we. Myself, and you too, you love a winner, nobody wants to go, you know what I
0: mean? So. But I think for someone like myself, my love of a boxer, or a fighter in general, is that I've always said this, to me it's metaphorical of life, you win, you lose. To me, I struggle with mental health issues, and when I have a bad day, to me I rate it off as a bad round, and it's not the end of fate, so get up. Yeah and keep fighting because the final bell hasn't rung. I remember speaking to George Foreman after his fight, uh, Ali, in the dressing room, and he was saying that was really the moment that became very spiritual and very religious because he needed something bigger than himself to cope with the mantled uh, aspect of defeat. Who would you say is your biggest influence, the biggest person in your life to pull you out of a slump that says, all right, it's time to move on?
1: I have a couple of people that are my wife my wife's a major one. And being her go way back the like from primary school down or from I was nine years old so brilliant. um she's real rock um a real somebody who's can lift me up. Um and then my cousin who's um He's a singer, Timothy, he's known as Labour, but mm-hmm. him, he's a real, always been a big inspiration for me for, throughout my whole life. And he always, such a wise guy, such a wise man, has the, the right things to say. And then his brother, Stephen, so us three are really, like, really good supporters to him. And then my friend, Toro McKenna, is my best friend. Yes. And he, Thorne, it will left my spirits. You know what I mean? He's just a, a great, reliable guy. And Mark Ginley, and you know, they're just really good people that they have a room.
0: It's obviously brilliant that you have those types of people, Tommy. Um, because one of the things, um, obviously, that blights Belfast is mental health issues. Uh, and I, I know a lot of fighters. It's a very lonely place to be in boxing, especially in the ring. It's not like a team sport where if you have a bad day, you can rely on your teammates. If you have a bad day in boxing, you can you can commit out of the ring less of a man than what you went into it. Is mental health an issue for you, or are you always are you always um, okay with that?
1: Yeah, it's never been never been a, a major issue for me. Uh, uh, I think everyone has down days. A lot of people. Um, confused with having a low mood as being depressed. You know, there's, there's a difference in being genuinely depressed
0: mm-hmm.
1: and generally struggling with your mental health than having, like, a down day or, you know, just having a shit day. Yes. So, from early on, I've always recognized it. And um, I've never been... I've, al- I've always been really positive and always... Yeah, I've always, I've never, never had any, 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 Um, I've never struggled with mental health.
0: What do you want to accomplish in boxing? What's next for you, Tommy? If you could pick out uh, the perfect next six months, what would you, what would it be?
1: Ideally, in the next six months, I'd love the Fed, I would love my next Fed to be for the world title. I want Fed, uh, Alenga Makubu, the WBC cruiserweight champion right now, Africa. So in six months if I we could fight him, win the title and defend it, that would be an idea in like six months.
0: Would you like to take an interim fight before you have that fight?
1: Nah I wanna go straight
0: in, no brother. Has there been any discussions, like re- realistic discussions where that could happen?
1: Uh I haven't been well, there hasn't been any discussions like in terms of his team and but there's been talks that um, there's been talks of it. There's been serious talks with you no know, behind the scenes, but not when I haven't like talked about dates or anything like that. But it's like, it's realistic. It's a realistic possibility.
0: What about uh, possibly stepping up to have you with um, your cruiserweight? Would you consider making that jump? You see, Usyk making that jump? Uh, is that something you would you would consider doing?
1: Definitely, that was always my, my plan from a first time project. When the cruiserweight title. Defend that once, and then go up and fight a small heavyweight or just have a pop because heavyweights these days are they're just giants. They're all need to be at least six five.
0: I know, I big boys.
1: I'm six three, <clears throat> and I was in like I was in Huey Fury's camp as a sparring partner before, and they brought me in just you know like for the speed saving. and I was the smallest fella in the camp. They were all six 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 seven, sixteen seventeen stone, so. You really you really need that saves. You really do. So if I could um go up and fight like the way Tony Bailey done it perfect, Tony Batley wanted defended went up the heavyweight and fought David Hay, who was who's a big name in heavy division, but really he's a genuine cruiser, so it wasn't like as if he was at his depth and then he beat him. So if we could get someone like that, it would be
0: brilliant. You were in... You sparred with Tony Ballew, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Was the first fight with David Hay, what was that like?
1: That was brilliant. That was, um, that was my first time being in a camp from start to finish. Usually, I was just going to do a week or two here, here or there. But I was in that camp from the start to finish, and I really, you know, me and, me and Tony formed a good friendship in it. and It was just... I was so happy for him when he won, because he really did he worked hard and was, his training camp there was uh, I mean for a world champion at the time he was the best cruiserweight in the world yes. and he's fighting a multi-million pound pay-per-view fight and his training camp was just like it was like ragging so it was yeah. really rough. the gym was cold it was just him, me and him and no 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 thrills or just straight hard work so it was the for form to get it
0: um, if I was to ask you, uh, give me some young open and fighters coming out uh, of Ireland in general that you fancy will make a hit name for themselves over the next few years, who would you pick out? Uh, Sean McCon. Yes. Come on, I
1: Something may hang on being biased because being him's good friends, but not him. He's the real deal. Um, Gary Colley. Gary Colley is going to be he is a special talent, talent.
0: what about um, Keevan Yorko? Um,
1: hey these guys are on, these guys are all like on a different level from it Kevin, like, Kevin will do well like, but he won't he's not as good as these. like they're, they're my two hot picks Gary Cully and Sean McCombe
0: tell Sean when I get him on the show sometime I'd love that um, what's your life like outside of boxing, Tommy? I mean, you said you're a family man. You've got, uh, you've got how many two kids? Do you have? How many kids? have four as well. So, um, tell me, what's it like to be a father? What do you do your kids and all that? Though, what's your life like outside of the the fake game? Um, my life outside of the fake game, it's a, it's a, I'm
1: trying to be a good, be a good daddy. Not trying to be, I'm a good daddy. I want to, I'm active in my kids' lives, and and but um, well, I'm still trying to trying to hold on to my youth. So, <laughs> but, um, this, my, this was my. I'm 30 in November, so I'm still still young enough to have fun. So I'm trying to you know find the balance, and um, that's it. Really, I'm just trying to have as much fun as possible because you know. Are you done with four
0: kids? Do you want well, more? Are you done with four? Do you want more?
1: I have four girls, so I would, I'd love the. um Little boy. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in two men. Like i will roll a dice again, ah. get a but then it's just like should I just be happy with what I've got? The like four blessings, so
0: yes,
1: maybe be with the dead. Because as well, I don't want to be. I don't want to be like too old and still have young mm-hmm. kids. on the room.
0: Well, I had my last one at 41. I have two boys, two girls, So, um, I'll be no more, I can assure you. I got the snip. So, that's me, uh Definitely, definitely not. Um, I want to ask you one last question. Uh, Tommy, we talked about what you would like in terms of the next fight. What venues would you like to fight? I mean, do you ever like to fight out here in America? Oh,
1: uh, yeah, most definitely. I would love to fight Madison Square Garden. Mm. It's where i like to fight. Hundred percent is Madison Square Garden, and Vegas. Yes, of course. Probably third or two big boxing things from from ever, especially Madison Square Garden. I like the Faneuil Parkly Center as well.
0: I've but, been at all three. Amazing venues. Yeah, but um, definitely
1: <laughs> because throughout the throughout boxing history or modern boxing history, Madison Square Garden. I guess the that's the place to be, and Vegas. So just to, just to say, even, even if I was on an undercard, just to say I've fought in it, but yes. definitely the headline in those two big arenas would be fantastic.
0: Oh, we're very lucky to have fighters that have done that, that allow us and our fighters to get exposure on those cards. So can I keep holding your dreams, mate, and I sincerely hope that happens. I'd be, I'd be immensely proud to see you on that stage and to fulfill yeah. your dreams. You're an absolute gentleman. Thank you so much for doing this, mate, and wish you all the best. Cheers, Paul. All right, thank you. Thanks, Tommy. See you, Matt. Yep. Bye-bye. Right.